0: Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling, and we're back home from our semi successful Californian road trip. <laughs> the last 24 hours in the Cleveland Forest were just fantastic. What a find that little campground is! We will definitely be back. We met the owner, Jai, just before we left, a man originally from Trinidad and Tobago who'd worked for years in finance in New York City, giving it all up to come and farm ostriches and pigs and sheep in the middle of nowhere in California. Oh, not forgetting the llamas. His dream, he said, was to make a place where people could just totally unplug and unwind. And you know what? I think he might have done it. He urged us to stay longer, saying he'd even pay for someone to go in and feed our cats at our house and then insisted that we came back soon and stay a few weeks. Bring all your animals, he said. I'll build a run for your cats. He even showed us a similar run he'd made for some other previous kitties. The dogs can enjoy being out in the fresh air. You can come and use the fast Wi-Fi in my house when you need to work and then help out on the farm when you can. I can't even begin to tell you how much I would love to do this. Watch this space. Despite having a totally back to nature vibe, the campsite did also have a swimming pool and a hot tub. Or rather, a lukewarm tub, which, do you know what was totally fine? As it was boiling outside while we were there. There in the hot tub, we met Jeremy and Laurie. Now, they themselves had stopped off for just a couple of days, but been persuaded by Jai to stay longer. They were helping him out and also the rest of the family with some maintenance and some animal care as well. They'd been living in San Diego, but found themselves with a few months before Jeremy's new job started in Washington state, up the West Coast on the border with Canada. So they were just basically going where the wind blew them for a while. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Laurie was Canadian but told me how her family actually had British heritage and she'd visited somewhere called the Black Country, she'd said a bit confused. (laughs) When she was about three, I confirmed, yes, this was an actual place. I grew up, she told me, with my grandmother telling me stories about London, about how they all speak a strange language there that no one else can understand, only the locals'. What do you mean? asked Jeremy, intrigued. It's all in rhyme, she says. They say things like apples and pears and call children's dustbin lids. You have no idea what they're saying. And they only speak this in London, he asked. Yes, she nodded. They turned and looked at us in great anticipation, ready for us to confirm that, yes, people in London spoke a totally different language to everyone else in the country. And, well, we didn't really have the heart to tell them. So just said, well, yes, rhyming slang, Cockney rhyming slang. It is a thing. You'd best get a dictionary if you ever visit my old China. We were sad to leave Cleveland Forest, but spent the day winding back slowly along the I 8 to Arizona, watching the landscape slowly change into the mountains and desert that mean that we're home. One thing that really strikes me still is how different prices for things like petrol are when you move from state to state. In California, where taxes are generally higher, we saw gas prices were just over $4 a gallon. They were nearly $4.10 or about £3 a gallon as we headed along the I-8. We hung on, willing the wagon to keep going until we hit Arizona. And as we crossed the border at Yuma, we coasted into a gas station on fumes to fill up for $2.83 a gallon, or about 2 pounds and five pence. I mean, a huge difference when you're filling up your tank, let alone the tank on an RV. I mean, from what I understand it, petrol in England is about £5 a gallon right now. So, I mean, either way, it is cheaper to get around here. But a matter of miles can make a big, big difference in your budget. We arrive back on Friday night to an Amber Alert. Remember those? They sound a bit like this urgent messages that pop up on your mobile phone usually to warn you of an escaped fugitive or abducted child I mean luckily not that common But more common is weather events that Amber Alerts are warning you about. And that's what this one was about. A dust storm was coming, we were told. Be aware. Zero visibility conditions are imminent, said the first alert. Be prepared. Pull your car over. Leave the freeway if possible. We rushed outside to see a bright orange sky surrounding our house, and whilst visibility wasn't too bad where we were, we could taste the dust in the air, especially as the wind started to whip up. We watched one of the dog beds fly across the garden, and so quickly pushed all our garden furniture together in an attempt to keep it intact, and went back inside. The weather continued to play up over the next few days as the first major monsoon of the season hit, and it poured for hours and hours causing major floods across the valley and leaving some people stranded in more rural areas. We'd known the rain was on the way as soon as we got home actually as we'd found our garage scattered with the absolutely enormous dead bodies of Palo Verde beetles. Now Palo Verdes aren't, despite their appearance, anything to do with a cockroach, not massive cockroaches at all. No. And thank goodness, because I do not ever wish to see a cockroach that is four inches long. Ah. No, Palo Verdes only actually show up once a year, just as the monsoon season starts. They're actually perfectly harmless. They don't bite, they don't sting, they don't carry disease, but they are huge (laughs) and they're not very bright and they're really attracted to the light so don't do as I did on year one of living here sit in the garden in the early evening with the porch light on having a little drink because you'll suddenly experience a gazillion of them hurtling towards your head now it should also be pointed out that Palo Verdes are really just looking for one thing love that's where they're flying around in a mad frenzy for a few weeks around the monsoon season, because essentially they're just desperately trying to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. Honestly, though, that fact doesn't make you feel any better when an insect the size of a sparrow is heading straight for your face. <laughs> Also, you're more likely to see Palo Verde beetles if you've got a Palo Verde tree nearby. That's where the bugs get their name from, essentially, because they feed off the roots of that when they are but enormous grubs. The thing is, Palo Verde trees are everywhere (laughs) in Arizona. I can see about six from my window right now. So really, that's a bit of a moot point. The skies have been cloudy and the humidity really high. Well, for Arizona anyway, for the last few days. And we had one night this week where it poured from dusk until dawn. It's still as toasty as anything right through the night. And I'm thankful for the rain, actually, as I had to cover up a few of our plants over the last few weeks with massive white bedsheets as the sun was actually burning their leaves. They were all singed yellow and brown. And no amount of water seemed to keep them hydrated. A palm tree in Next Door's garden actually lost all of its leaves, or rather fronds, in one fell swoop a couple of days ago. Oh, they just crashed to the ground and now just a trunk remains. And you know what? There's still another solid six weeks of summer to go. Whew. I'll see you in the desert.